Governance, are boards part of the problem or part of the solution? So much of the global discussion of corporate governance focuses on themes. ESG, sustainability, cybersecurity, stakeholder rights, executive pay, etc., etc. Yet corporate board members who are on the front lines wrestle very often with basics, but crucial issues of what you can call boardmanship. How do the well-meaning part-time non-executive directors on a board meaningfully direct and monitor a complex business operated by full-time professional managers? Are we demanding more tactical oversight from boards than they can deliver realistically? Has a board of directors model become a dangerous anachronism? I'm delighted to talk with Ralph Ward. Ralph is an internationally recognized speaker, writer and advisor on the role of boards of directors and the future of governance worldwide. He's publisher of the online newsletter Boardroom Insider and also the editor of the Corporate Board Magazine. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at Better Boards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. BetterBoards clients have access to an innovative digital platform that provides data, benchmarks and comparisons on all dimensions of effective boards. They can use the platform for their internal as well as part of their external evaluation. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. Ralph, thank you so much for making time to contribute to the Better Boards podcast series. Thank you. Ralph, in the preparation for this podcast, we actually talked about various topics and I got really intrigued about what you told me. Let's jump straight in. The title of our podcast is, Are Boards Part of the Problem or Part of the Solution? You were quite critical of boards, or you pointed out some issues where you thought, gosh, where you questioned the current model and also the performance of boards. What makes you think that boards are in itself actually, or can be in itself, part of the problem of governance? If you um, sit back and look at the history of the corporate board model, you realize where a lot of the problems go. You have something that is really an artifact that goes back 300 years or more to the joint stock corporations coming from the Italian states, the Netherlands, into the United Kingdom and England of managing an enterprise. And it was a a good way of doing things 300 years ago If you had, say, a dozen squires putting in a few crowns, have a trading voyage or to float a bank or something like that, and then you realize that essentially the same model is being used today for multinational corporations with thousands of employees and billions of euros in capitalization and hundreds of thousands, millions of investors being represented it's a little bit like a um, old-fashioned bucket brigade for putting out fires having to deal with a modern skyscraper today. It's not fit to purpose. The problem is 
to paraphrase Winston Churchill about democracy, the corporate board model is the worst way of monitoring a large enterprise, except for everything else we have tried. And uh, we're stuck with it somewhat. And I think directors in the boardroom themselves realize that. They express frustration to me when I talk to them that they have something that isn't fit to purpose. And part of the problem is that with a few changes, you can make this really impossible job, especially for the uh, independent outside directors, just enough do more doable that they can manage it. And uh, th that's what I try to stress to them. Uh, you can't reinvent the corporate board model. So let's tinker around the edges and you'll find out it's a lot more practical then. And actually, I mean, the key question I had when I listened to you, in your experience, are all boards really aware that they can be actually, that it's outdated or that they're part of the problem of governance? Do you find awareness for this? I do. There is frustration. I do a, quite a bit of training overseas and in the U.S. with board members, and a lot of it is two-way communication with them, and they express frustration. This is something that has popped up. We don't know how to deal with this. This always drives me nuts about our board meetings, our information, our processes, and it generally is a lot of little things that add up to larger frustrations for them. They know it isn't working well, but we've had this model for so long. The people who serve on boards have spent their whole careers working with it that they just assume, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's like online software technical support. You don't expect to get wonderful customer service for it. You just assume you're going to have to wait on hold a long time and have to go through a lot of FAQs that don't address your question. And I think they have gotten fatalistic that way about the board of directors. And then when we start talking, they start, the lights start going on. Oh, we could change this. Oh, well, here's a minor fix that could make a lot of difference. So it's a matter of awareness and sharing ideas. This is what I do in my speaking in a little bit of a way. I'm sort of a corporate board evangelist. I take good ideas that people have individually developed in their boardroom for doing this or that and share them around the world. And people say, oh, that's brilliant. You have probably noticed this. This or that board of directors with this uh, group on the board may have found a clever way of absorbing more information before the more board meeting efficiently or making presentations go better or dealing with a personal issue in the boardroom. Another company just as good a people, just as experienced, will have never thought of that idea. So the more we can share these little tips and fixes around, uh, the better it improves everyone's corporate governance. No, I'm completely with you there. And this is also what our listeners like. That's what I'm picking up from the feedback, the practical tips and tricks. So let's focus on that. Let's not talk about the bad guys out there. Let's talk about the good guys and the good boards. Are those that are really effective? What do they do, actually, in your experience, that they are part of the solution, that have found good tricks on how to maneuver this whole construct. Let's maybe start so that we go systematically through it with structures and processes. Do good boards have different structures and processes in place? Uh, yes, they do. 
And this is something when I do my trainings overseas, I urge boards that come to the training, don't just send the board members, don't just send the board chair and the CEO, send the company corporate secretary, send the support staff. They get this. They know this. I point out to boards of uh, public companies, especially the independent directors, you are thinking about this board and your role on this board a fraction of your business waking experience. You have your day job. It occupies 90-odd percent of your mind share. This board that you serve on independently is a tiny little bit of that, and you're not going to be able to give the attention to it. So how do you deal with that? You work with the company secretary and their staff who are the ghost in the machine. They're the ones who really make the board work. They're the ones who worry about board materials, making good use of board portals, effective meetings, agendas, and minuting, and all of these little nuts and bolts things, uh, board committees and good flow between them and the full board. A board committee effectiveness just in itself is absolutely vital because so much of the heavy lifting of governance now happens at the committee level on remuneration, on governance, on audit. Absolutely. So getting them to work effectively with good leadership, good processes and information, that's the first step. The profession of company secretaries is very advanced where I'm sitting here in the UK. I'm super impressed and uh, some of them do a brilliant job. What specific structures and processes have you seen that work particularly well with boards that manage to, to maneuver around this old-fashioned construct? And you raised a good point. Uh, one thing that I like about the UK and Commonwealth countries is they seem to have made a, more of a science of training and certifying company secretaries yeah. to handle this. Here in the States, it's still a bit catch-as-catch-can in a lot of other countries, but African countries, uh, Middle Eastern countries, they're making more of a science of it. So that is something that I'm trying to prod them to do. One thing I push very hard is better uses of technology for the board, smart use of board portals, and even uh, boards of directors that have online portals for their board members are usually not exploiting them as well and as thoroughly as they could to get information out, to make it more accessible, to make it fresher for the people who uh, have to use it in the boardroom. So that's the number one thing. Get a good portal, and all of them have their pluses and minuses. I point out when I speak to people, you can go from the thousands of dollars charges for a very fancy board portal system. And there are some of them all the way to shareware. They cost almost nothing to use. Whatever it is, I encourage them to get that and get away from paper as much as you can is the number one step. Much safer, much fresher information, and it's much easier to manage it then. So that's number one, use of technology, and then get the directors trained on using that, using it effectively, and also using it securely. Because as you probably know, one of the leakiest areas for online security and data theft are the outside board members. They're a loose cannon when it comes to managing this and cracking down on them to be very careful about things, not using public email systems for company business is important. Technology is one. Let's get 
another nugget, number two and number three. What else do they do in terms of structures and processes that really work well? This ties in a little bit with the board portals, but also the uh, enterprise resource systems, the platforms the companies are using. The ability to do reporting and controls from numbers on that, there are huge opportunities for that. And I don't think that's really being customized and used for the board of directors effectively. Corporate controls are set up to be used by managers to monitor things. I uh, have a good definition of corporate controls. I believe it's uh, businessdictionary.com. And they talk about controls are used by managers to uh, monitor management functions. And I always point out, you have managers twice mentioned in that. No one mentions the board of directors. So uh, make controls that are friendly. The board needs to sit down, the committees need to sit down and say, what are the actual red, yellow, green light tests that we need? What sort of dashboards can we put together to monitor things so we'll instantly have knowledge if something is out of compliance, if something isn't right? I agree with you. I heard a lot of calls for dashboards, you know, one pages, dashboards, graphics, so that they can grasp yeah. the key numbers. Sabina, think of the books that you have seen in paper, and you have hundreds of pages of information. You have a very busy executive with their day job. They get this package, even ideally a week before the meeting. Are they going to really notice that a number on page 297 and a number on Appendix C don't line up and don't match? Are you really making that demand of them to do that? If you do, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. But if you can set up corporate controls that will flash a red light, this doesn't look quite right, yeah. then it becomes a lot easier. Then you can add the ability to follow up on that information. But first, you need a bell to ring for the board and the uh, members of the committees to notice something is out of compliance. Okay, let's follow up on it. Great. Let me push you for one more idea, and then we move on to the next one. Do you have one more for our listeners? I'm excited by the AI possibilities on this. When you look at all of the information that a board of directors gets before the meeting, the context, the discussion they may have, we mentioned finding things that are maybe wrong and don't line up. Think of how valuable it would be to have AI tools that could go through a whole board meeting packet and parse half a dozen valid questions based around that, knowing what the board wants to know. What are important numbers? What are potential outliers? What should the board know about what's going forward? And can go through and come up with some questions for the board to ask instead of depending on these people in the boardroom. I mentioned it before, I'll mention it again. Board members I have found are intelligent, savvy people. They know what they're doing, but the board of directors model collectively makes them dumb. It makes it difficult for them to come in, hit the bricks running and know what to ask. So try using some AI tools and processes to come through and find some things that they may not be thinking of. What's going to happen next? Where do these trends converge five years down the road? And that would be another valuable thing. Great. Let's move on to attitudes and behaviors. Do you think these good boards who are part of the solution do good governance? 
do they display different attitudes and different behaviors? It comes from several factors in the board itself. The first one is leadership, uh, effective board chairs. Think about you're very savvy and you know what goes on out there for training and education for boards. I have found that there is very little training on how to be an effective board member as a board member but there is almost none on how to be an effective board leader, a board chair. And that's very dangerous because it's such a unique role. You are having to deal with a table full of type A leaders, somehow gathering them together to all play together as equals, work together as equals. They probably know each other a bit, have some communication, but they don't know each other's personal communication style, what their hot button issues are, how they work well together. You bring them together every few months to have to deal with sometimes extremely intense issues. Of course, you're going to have communications disasters with a group like that. So good leadership, ability to pull out information, to push back on the people who are pushy, and to serve as the board advocate for getting the information and processes you need is extremely crucial. Board chairs aren't trained to chair a board. If you are a chief executive, you have learned a lot of good leadership lessons. A lot of those lessons are the exact opposite of what you need to chair a board of directors. So there's a lot of unlearning all of there as well. A very good point, and uh, I can confirm this. Before we have to come to an end about non-executive directors, anything you have seen there the good ones are really doing and should take into account? You know, if you read about and watch commentary on boards, a lot of it tends to be at the 10,000-foot level. You are being conscientious. You are being asking good questions. You are not being conflicted. And, and all of the uh, big, I call them Boy Scout issues here. You are being wise and forethinking. A lot of it, I found, is at the more fundamental level. These are people who before the board meeting, make it a point of blocking out time on their busy schedule for board meeting prep. I will read this material. I will devote this amount of time to it. Take my phone off the hook, shut off my smartphone. Don't disturb me. I'm going to commit to this and nothing is going to interfere with that. They devote the time to looking at this They're willing to call the CEO. They're willing to call the uh, CFO or someone at audit. Uh, tell me about this number. It, it doesn't seem to add up. I know we have this initiative we're going to be talking about. Who can I talk to to put some more information on that? They uh, devote the time to the practice and the preparation. If they have a paper board packet, one rule I've found is you can tell who's a good director by looking at the paper they bring into the board meeting. Dog-eared? Does it have sticky notes on it? Does it mar all marked up? Have they been working it over? That's a sign of a good director. And you have probably seen bad directors who sit down at the board table and tear open the board packet envelope the first time they sit down at the table. Yeah. Not so good. Sadly, Ralph, we have to come to an end of this podcast. But I always ask at the end, what are the three things our listeners should take away from this podcast? I work with a lot of people. Uh, one of the areas I do training on is corporate executives who are seeking a first board role. 
and it's uh, definitely a gold ring out there they're reaching for. Most of them are doing a pretty good job of it. The first thing I would tell them is, are you really ready for this? Are you ready to take on this commitment? Are you ready and willing to take on the danger involved? Board members increasingly know the liability dangers, the regulatory dangers that they're facing from the job, especially for a major public company, but they still get too taken with the idea of being on a board. Ultimate golden ring is to be on the board of a major public company. That's a great feather in the cap for your career. Absolutely. That's good. Do you know what you're really getting into and are you looking beyond the uh, title and the impressive aspects to what you're really getting into when it comes to the dangers? So that's one of the things I encourage them to do. The next thing is to block out the time. Make sure that you have the time commitment. People who are at the corporate level to be on a board of directors are good time managers, and they always tend to underestimate the time and effort involved in taking on a board role. And I encourage them to be honest with yourself, take whatever seems like a reasonable amount of time and double it. And then you'll probably be a lot more accurate for what's actually involved. And the final thing is uh, keep in communication. It's very easy to go away from the board meeting and not think about that outside commitment for a month or two months or three months until you get ready for the next board meeting. And it isn't that way anymore. Be on the phone, be in communication with staff, the chief executive, looking at what the online image is of the company, what the news is on it. Assume once you're on a board, it's one more job that you're going to have to weave into all of your other busy schedule. Fantastic, Ralph. Thank you so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. Thank you. How can we help you and your board? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. If you are interested in what we are doing, have a look at our website or schedule a demo. It's easy. Just click on the button on the website. Alternatively, you can reach us on the email info at better-boards.com. Thank you for listening. <music>